I think back during the tragic season following the Stoneman Douglas shooting, and it was high school students that were not even old enough to vote who began to speak on the platform of social media. And their voice was so loud that it leveraged change in legislation that for years and years before, politicians could not make happen. And so when you look at the power of the voice of this next generation, you think about how much we as the church are responsible for preparing this generation for the platform that's been prepared for them. Welcome to the Live, Lead, Last podcast, and thanks for joining us for another episode. James and I love connecting with you every week. Yeah, it really is one of the highlights of our week, being able to release new content to the Live, Lead, Last community. So thanks for listening. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, we hope you're healthy and blessed and that today's episode will encourage you. So James, we have been talking about our special Thanksgiving episode that will air Thanksgiving week. We have some special things planned, and this week is the last opportunity for our listeners to actually be a part of the show. So here is what we're asking you listeners to do. Go to anchor.fm backslash live lead last. There you will see a link that says message. Click that link and leave an audio message for us. The four things we're asking you to tell us are your name, where you're from, something that you're thankful for, and one Thanksgiving tradition from your family. The tradition could be anything from a game you always play to an unusual food you eat for the Thanksgiving meal. Seriously, pause the episode right now and do it. Then make sure to come right back and listen to the rest of the show because today we are continuing the conversation with our pastors and lifelong friends, Todd and Julie Mullins. If you did not get to listen to last week's episode, I encourage you to go back and check it out. Todd and Julie are the senior pastors of Christ Fellowship Church and some of the kindest people you will ever meet. We're going to pick up right where we left off and talk about how COVID has impacted their leadership. We're also going to talk about their passion for building the platform for female leaders and next generation leaders. This episode is so good. So let's get to it. I want to turn the corner because as a global community, we've walked through arguably one of the toughest periods in history with the COVID pandemic, social unrest in our country and around the world, and an increasingly greater political polarization that's taking place. I'm interested to hear some things as leaders that you wish you would have known before COVID that you've learned or that you know now. There's a couple of things that I believe that were reinforced during COVID. And the first one would be just gaining an outside perspective on life and leadership. Sometimes we get caught up in our own echo chambers and all we hear and understand is what we feel and the one or two people closest to us that are saying the same thing because they feel the same thing. For me, it was really important during the season to go to people that had an outside, different leadership perspective than my own. So I talked to other business leaders. I talked to other pastors in other locations. I was able to lean into mentors like Lance Witt and my dad and John Maxwell just to get counsel and ask questions. So I wasn't just listening to the noise in my own head, but really that was the first thing. The second thing that I learned, again, was just how important relationships are. In something like we've walked through with COVID, you understand the value of something when it's taken away from you. 
and the close relationships, time with people. When you're having to pull away and segment out and you can't be with people, you realize, oh my goodness, how much I need other people in my life and friendships to laugh together, go to dinner together, play cards together. It was really important. Yeah, I think we could probably all write a book on all the lessons that we've learned and maybe mistakes that we've made. I know for me, a couple weeks into the pandemic, I was on a phone call with several other pastors and, and it was with Henry Cloud, who's an amazing Christian psychologist and he talked about the fact that in a time of crisis like this, that we actually lose 30 points, 30 IQ points. <laughs> and I was like, this all makes sense because <laughs> I just realized the fog. That I, I, where I, I felt like, and I felt like I wasn't as sharp. I wasn't able to make decisions, and it was so eye-opening to me and relieving that other people were actually experiencing the same thing because our mind is working so hard to create these new mind maps that help us just to navigate through every day. And those maps are built by our relational connections, the choices that we make, the routines that we have. And when it gets disrupted, our mind is just working overtime. Change registers in our mind map like it's an error. But usually our mind can just quickly fix it. But in things that were rapidly changing, where there was no connection, our relationships were at a standstill, where our choices were taken from us, where our routines were disrupted, that our minds just couldn't keep up with it. And what I realized was that I probably went four weeks without taking a day off, without giving myself a break. And what I wish I had known (laughs) was that it takes time and it takes space to rebuild those mind maps. I, I felt like I would be selfish for taking a day off because it seemed so urgent. I felt like by taking a break that I was actually robbing something, robbing the people that I was leading or just robbing the church. And what I realize now is that the truth of God's word, that we all need a Sabbath, that we all need rest, is still true in a pandemic. Now, we know that desperate times call for desperate measures, but you can only operate in desperation for so long. And if I had it to do all over again, I would have definitely taken some time earlier earlier on within the first week, not waiting so long because my 30 points, I'm still recovering from the 30 point deficit. <laughs> Some of us can't lose but, 30 points. You know, and Philippians, you know, Philippians 4, 6 talks about this and it says, don't be anxious for anything, but pray about everything. And I did allow anxiety to get the best of me. And I know now that to just stop, allow yourself to regroup and then move on. So good. Love it. You know, as we look back over this season, we had the perspective to see some really positive things. One of the special events for us, and of course it was for you, you welcomed a new family member. Talk about that big event and what it's <laughs> been like to be in-laws, or what I like to call it is in-laws. Yes. <laughs> what was that like? The wedding day of our only son, Jefferson, and whom we're real pleased, was awesome. (laughs) Married Cassie, the love of his life. And there was so much wrapped up in that day. As we stood there in that ceremony, there were so many answered prayers. It was truly a sacred moment that we celebrated together. And I don't have time to go into the full story on this one podcast about Jefferson's journey, but I can say that God is a God that goes so far above and beyond anything we could think, hope, or imagine. And I would encourage anybody who's listening that's praying for their children, don't you dare give up. It may look like a hopeless long road, but you keep walking one step at a time in faith, believing God to turn some things around, to bring some life where there hasn't been much life. And I believe he's going to do it. That was what we got to experience on that wedding day. Yeah, it was amazing. Planning a wedding in a pandemic was (laughs) not for the faint of heart. And two days before the wedding, we had to change the venue. So at the beginning, we weren't sure if it was going to be 10 people in the backyard or if we were going to be able to have the full-blown wedding. And we ended up with a beautiful wedding with 
75 people spaced out, socially distanced, and lots of people watched online, but it really was beautiful. And I remember back in January, as I was preparing for the new year, looking ahead pre-COVID, I was looking at what I wanted to be our priorities for this coming year. And I had this epiphany that I was going to be the parent of an adult child a lot longer than I had been a parent of a child that was under my care and in my household. And I'd put a lot of energy into the last 20 some years. And now I just realized, wow, I don't even know if I'm quite ready for this. But I remember writing down that I wanted to be the best mother-in-law that I could be. And I knew that was going to be putting in some practices and some rhythms to make that happen. And going through the wedding process, I'm glad I made that declaration because I didn't know what (laughs) it was going to look like. I remember halfway through as we were planning the wedding, talking to a friend of mine who had just gone through the same thing. And she said, the question I kept asking myself is, will this matter six months from now? And so every time we got to a crisis point, Todd and I would ask each other, Todd had to ask me a few more times. It's not going to matter six months from now. The color of the roses is not going to matter six months from now. So I'm so glad that we did that. And it's just been fun. And I love having a daughter now. Yeah, so yeah. never had awesome. one. Never yeah. had awesome. one. So it's been an answer to prayer. But it's cool to be on the journey with Jefferson and see what you all have been praying for. <laughs> well, you guys for. did their premarital counseling. <laughs> yes, so yeah. we might need to talk. We're praying along with you for Jefferson and to be a part of that is cool to see it. My favorite memory of the wedding is Cassie floating in Literally, I thought yeah. the way her dress was flowing, it looked like she was floating into the reception like a princess. Yeah, she and, was a Disney princess. Yes, <laughs> was straight up a Disney princess. It was awesome. It'll make her day right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was awesome. So Todd, I remember us sitting together in a meeting many years ago with the senior pastor at Hillsong Church, Brian Houston. And it was the first time I heard the statement, our ceiling is a next generation's floor. And that statement begs the question, what ceiling am I building for the next generation that they can build their leadership? Both of you have been so intentional raising your own personal ceilings for the next generation. I also believe that you've been intentional about raising the floor specifically for female leaders. Todd, I want to start with you. I believe that you may be the greatest advocate that I know of for building a strong floor specifically for female leaders. So can you share a bit about why this is so important to you? And also maybe a few things that you do to call up and strengthen female leaders. Thank you for that. The first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question is because I believe it's biblical. And I know that there are great churches and great people on both sides of the issue of women leading in the church. And I respect those that have different interpretation of scripture. It truly is, as I've said before, not an issue of biblical authority because both camps would say, yeah, we believe the word of God is the authority. It really is an issue of biblical interpretation. And we spend a lot of time digging into what the whole of scripture says to try to understand God's heart on this issue. And then once we understood it, I feel like it's a biblical mandate. So I was stepping in to become a senior pastor, and Julie and I were going to step into that together. One of the things I felt as I was in prayer was that the Lord said, I want you to help the next generation and women find their place in leadership now. And so I felt like I've had this mandate given to me in prayer from the Lord on this topic. So first we went to the scriptures. As that got confirmed in our hearts, I stepped into going, how do we begin to do this? And I would even say, James, because I know you have many listeners that might have different theological understandings about scripture. That's cool. There is still much that can be done to help women 
exercise their leadership gifts within the church and even outside the church, of course. I think about the day the church was born, on the day of Pentecost. Peter got up and preached, and of all the scriptures he could have quoted, he quoted Joel that says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days, and they will prophesy. And that word prophesy means to boldly proclaim the word of God. In the original language, it is interchangeable with preaching and teaching. So there is so much in the word of God that says women are gifted and called. I I think about the scripture in Galatians 3, where it says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male or female. We are now one in Christ, that the Holy Spirit has given the entire body gifts and callings and purposes to fulfill the great commission and to reach the world. And I would not want to hold the church back by not allowing and releasing the full potential. Why would we want to cut 50% of the potential of the church and leadership to be able to help that. Plus, I've always said this really isn't about Julie. In fact, I don't think what we've been doing is anything about Julie. Julie would rather not have to be out on the front edge of some of these things. We really believe it's about the women and the young women that are in our church that need to see and have modeled for them what we believe is biblical leadership and how they can step into their own role of leading. And so it's a biblical mandate for me. That's why I think I've given so much attention and time to it. And I just want to say, I personally love it. We have a 15-year-old daughter, Addie, that feels empowered and feels like she has a place and feels like there's something for her to aspire to that I think is is really unique about Christ Fellowship. There's other churches like that, but I think the platform that you guys are building is just so powerful. I love the idea that as women, we are mindful to walk under the authority that's over us. And we're very sensitive, especially in the church world. But I think, Pastor Todd, you've given women and young girls of all ages authority to walk in the authority you're giving them. So we are mindful to walk under authority, but we can step up in confidence and walk in the authority that is given to us. And so I love that. Okay, Pastor Julie, I know that helping females take their place in leadership is incredibly important to you as well. However, I also know you are passionate about creating a strong platform for the next generation leaders. Talk to us about why this is a passion area for you and some ways you are intentional with this aspect of your leadership. Yeah, tagging back to the scripture that Todd just shared, it says that God's going to pour out his spirit and the sons and the daughters are going to prophesy. It goes on to say that old men will dream dreams. So we can assume that the sons and the daughters daughters are younger than the old men. And so when I think about this, I just think about prophesying is really about declaring God's voice over a generation, that sons and daughters are going to declare his voice, his truth over this generation. And if you look at what's happening in our culture right now, that this generation has a voice that is louder than any generation before, and it can be leveraged for the good or it could be leveraged for evil. And I think back during the tragic season following the Stoneman Douglas shooting, and it was high school students that were not even old enough to vote who began to speak on the platform of social media. And their voice was so loud that it leveraged change in legislation that for years and years before, politicians could not make happen. And so when you look at the power of the voice of this next generation, you think about 
how much we as the church are responsible for preparing this generation for the platform that's been prepared for them. So think about that. If they're going to echo God's voice over this generation, there's a platform that has been prepared for them that is louder and stronger than any other generation before, then we have this sacred responsibility to begin to prepare them for that platform. I think about as many years as I have left, the best thing that I can do, the most important thing that I can do is to be able to pour any of the wisdom that I have, because this is the deal. They have the voice, but they don't have the experience or the wisdom that they're going to need to be able to echo God's voice. But if our generation can come alongside them and pour in the wisdom and pour in everything that we have, pour our lives into them, that it's going to actually prepare them to be the, the mouthpiece of God in this generation, in these latter days. So just really practically speaking for us personally and for me personally, a couple of ways to do that is to build relationships with some of the younger generation, the sons and the daughters that are in our house that I would actually have no other reason to build a relationship with them because we don't work together in the same departments. We don't rub shoulders, but I have to be intentional and go after them and build relationships. If any young leader reaches out to me and says, can I have 30 minutes? The answer is always yes, because I figure that could be the greatest investment that I make. I want to be able to build into them so that they can go further faster. And the second thing is just building a culture that really prioritizes the next generation. And when I say prioritize, it doesn't mean always just celebrating them and telling them how great they're doing. It also means providing opportunities to be able to coach. And you guys have done this better than anyone. You have been such an extension of this vision, championing the next generation, not just encouraging them, hey, great job, but really coaching them and giving them tools and skills that are going to make their voice effective and powerful and help them not blow their influence early on, give them the tools so that the enemy doesn't take them out before they even get started. So thank you guys for doing that because the way you're doing it is beautiful. Well, I think that leads to a great question here. I think you guys have been now in the senior leadership role for nearly 10 years. So if you could go back and advise that younger generation of leaders, knowing now what you know about leading at this level, what would be some advice that you would give to a next generation of of leaders? I think one of the truths that most people know is to not neglect the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the the small place. Again, this kind of goes back to don't confuse your assignment and your calling. It may feel small. It may be small. But if you are faithful with the small things, Jesus said, I will trust you with more. And so whoever can be faithful with the small, the little things that seem insignificant, God is actually going to entrust you with more and greater things. And the small things aren't insignificant. The truth is anything big is made up of a bunch of small pieces. And if you can steward those small places well and be faithful in that, it's going to help you. Probably to tag on to that would be that the small steps you take today are going to determine the big stories you tell tomorrow. Because when I look back at every big story we get to tell in ministry, you know, the girls rescued from human trafficking, a generation of young people stepping into their call, just the people that we've been able to reach through our missions. I know personally from my life, I can trace back to a small step that I took into a very small church with leaders that nobody knew about. And my small step into that small church is a part of every story I tell. But that was a defining moment. And our lives aren't filled with defining moments. You know, by the time you get married, most of the defining moments in your life have been had. You graduated from high school, you chose a career path, you got married. There's just not that many defining moments. But our life and our future and our destiny isn't going to be dictated by defining moments. It's those small steps out of those defining moments in the 
direction of your purpose. So I would say that the small steps you take today will determine the big stories you tell tomorrow. And small steps might just be like, who am I going to date? The yeah. first dates, those matter. Showing up to work on time, being early, staying late, those little things matter. Who you hang with and who begins to influence your life. Sometimes you think they're small, but they're really big and treating them like big moments. The other thing I would say on the flip side, I would tell myself, have more fun. I think sometimes as leaders, we take ourselves so seriously and everything is so serious and I've got to make all these big decisions. And sometimes you just need to relax, Todd, and enjoy the journey, enjoy the moment, enjoy the people that God's brought in your life. And I would definitely go back and tell myself to do that. So I'm trying to make up for lost time. And you're a fun guy. So that says a lot. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're introducing a new segment into the podcast, and we thought it would be great to start with you, fun friends. Each of you chose a number randomly that corresponds with a would you rather question. Okay. And I'm so kind James of scared. Took, yeah, I'm kind James of scared. James of the crazy questions, which I was hoping I was getting. So, Pastor Julie, I'm okay. Gonna... We had to respect them because they're our pastors, but <laughs> well, you're starting it with us. So, you censored the death. Censored, censored we censored the death. I'm going to start with Julie. So, would you rather be forced to high five everyone you make eye contact with or strike up a conversation with at least five strangers a day? Boy. I don't know why that's a hard question. But <laughs> well, you, you see a lot of people. You see a lot of people. I know I see a lot of people, but it's I do COVID. think it would be the high five every single person I came in contact with. and Because that yeah. brings some joy. Yeah, it you brings some joy. Yay. Just kind of like, hey. And then you can yeah. use hand sanitizer because it's COVID. <laughs> yes, I know. That's what I was, I was worried gonna about. Say it. That was it. Be, in, yeah. yeah, strike out conversations. I conversations because I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. So I'm like, oh, hey. I thought that's right. I thought she would say, yes. Yeah, That's probably what I would do, too. Because I don't like talking to new people. I think you're great at talking to new people. I know, right? Every time Maybe. we're in settings with, you know, those conferences yeah. in the back, you're always... That's true. Maybe yeah. that's true. It's only because he's not going to have to have a relationship with them afterwards. <laughs> it's like a... It's a moment. Man, I yeah. seem so cold. Okay, Todd, here's yours. Would you rather have to grow, hunt, and kill your own food or eat only Taco Bell? For- <laughs> <laughs> that's tough. No, so good, that's so easy. Eat Taco Bell for a year. Yeah, that is so easy. I would rather grow, hunt, and kill my own food <laughs> than eat Taco Bell ever. <laughs> Sorry. The, Sorry. The funny thing about that, I started laughing, is because both of those are funny for me to see you do. I know. <laughs> both of them would be a stretch, but Taco Bell would be a little yes. bit. I just wonder if you'd starve. <laughs> if, you're, if you're hunting, growing, and killing your own food. I Taco Bell with somebody that knows how to order a Taco Bell because it's the last Just time a I got something bad. Day. Wasn't. Yeah, Is that what I need to do? I don't okay, know. I can do it. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast. This has really been so much fun and we really look forward to it. And you guys have just given us so much content. It's been great. We love you guys and we are honored to call you friends. Thank oh, you. We love we you love guys you. too. It was so much fun doing that interview. We really are thankful to Pastors Todd and Julie for making time in their high-demand schedule to be on the show. But seriously, I think Pastor Todd would break down and start running for the border, James, after a few months of trying to grow or hunt and kill his own food. Yeah, I think both those options would be pretty challenging for him. We want to remind you that we are putting together a special Thanksgiving week show, and we want to invite you to be a part of it. This is the last week you can participate. So please go to anchor.fm backslash last and leave us an audio message. Remember, the four things we're asking you to tell us are your name, where you're from, something that you're thankful for, and one Thanksgiving tradition from your family. You can also get the link in the show notes at www.livelylast.com. You can always leave us your comments, questions, and feedback.
We would love for you to subscribe. And if you are willing to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, it would help us get the word out and help others find the show. You can also follow us on Instagram and or Facebook at Live Lead Last Podcast. Leave us a message or comment. We'd love to hear from you. So next week we have Brad Lominick on the show. He's a leadership consultant, speaker, and the author of one of my favorite books, H3 Leadership. You don't want to miss that one, so please join us. As we wrap up today, we want to encourage you to lead your life and leverage your influence today in a way that leaves the legacy you want for the morning. Until next week, bye-bye.